Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, sports editor here at the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. As I'm back from Kansas City, so now uh, you won't just hear Alexis by herself, she'll actually have someone else to kind of babble with, or I'll kind of babble myself, but either way, we've got Alexis Cubit here, our high school sports reporter, to talk a little bit of high school volleyball, high school football, a lot of stuff happened last week, and then of course, don't forget our second segment where we talk to a coach from a winning team from last week that'll either be a figure be a cool little tease just to kind of mention who we may talk to to hoka coach uh, coach overstreet that be one that we could potentially talk to had a big win over rawls we'll talk about that one and then of course uh, friendship coach randy true could be another one friendship clinching the district last week we'll talk a little bit about that we'll probably start with volleyball because i think that's a little important just because of how long it's been for the Lady Tigers to kind of get up there, but uh, anything that stood out to you before we kind of start talking some volleyball, Alexis? Um, just another another good week of football. It's now getting to that point where we're getting into winter weather. So week nine, yes. Yeah, so it's a lot of uh, you're going to see a lot more uh, propane tanks, I'm sure, out on the, the sidelines. And I will stick with my press box seating. Yes, and uh, hopefully you'll figure out what hand warmers are, unlike Don Williams. <laughs> it's a little inside joke here that maybe Brad, if he decides to listen to our podcast, will laugh at. But um, talking some things that aren't uh, kind of a laughing matter, obviously, friendship uh, playing very well mm-hmm. last week, being a, a very good, uh, I guess, small little microcosm of how well they have played, got a couple good performances and were able to clinch a district title for the first time in a while. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was thinking about them, and it's so interesting to me because you normally think, you know, okay, well, you know, if you play volleyball, you have to be tall, but their girls aren't necessarily tall, like in the sense of, you know, like your six-footers or things like that, but they have enough to where they can get to the balls or, you know, their defense has played really well, Mm -hmm. you know, with Hannah there at Libero, Gracie chipping in, you know, just at any point you can have, you know, any one of those two leading in digs. Uh, Kendall Mahaney, I believe, had um, over 10 digs uh, mm-hmm. this past week. So I think that's another really big key and just, you know, being able to attack and play aggressive at the net. First time since 2013 since the Lady Tigers have won a district title. First one in Class 6A, first district title since 2013. So big things happening for Randy True and company. Biggest thing, at least from my perspective, is the fact that they continued their success. It seemed like uh, things may have turned uh, a little bit sour when they got that first district loss, but they certainly showed that that was not the case. They bounced back and they got the district title. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was a good, um, you know, a good thing for them, even though you don't want to obviously lose a match. They wanted to go undefeated again. Correct. I think it also showed a lot of what they're made of in terms of, okay, you know, you can either let this get you down and let it affect your season, mm-hmm. you know, drop to a lower seed, possibly tie with someone, or you can, you know, use that and say, okay, you know, we're, we are beatable. Here's what we're going to do. 
um, to respond to that. Here's what we're going to fix. Here's what we need to fix, you know, different things like that. And I think they definitely have showed that. And I'm sure that, you know, they're playing right now and they'll be, uh, you know, doing well there. Speaking of teams that have uh, Lady Tigers or Tigers as mascots, Snyder is also doing pretty well. A little bit longer uh, for them to wait for a district title, 20 years, in fact. But uh, the Lady Tigers, thanks to uh, Kendra Bynum, uh, Kamaya Davis, I apologize if I say that incorrectly, Abby Benitez, and Natalie James, certainly rolling now uh, as the Maidens, or pardon me, the Tigers defeated the Maidens last uh, Last week, 29-27, 25-11, and 25-23. So that was kind of a big deal for them to get the victory. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, as we record this on Tuesday, uh, you mentioned a little bit of trap games it could be for both of those teams as they do play tonight on Tuesday mm-hmm. in your column. I guess if you could just kind of speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so um, Snyder will finish up the season. They're playing right now against uh, San Angelo Lakeview. That's what I was thinking and of. And the last time they played, um, they played in Snyder, and Snyder swept them. Lady Tigers got yes. that win there, and which was a good uh, momentum booster, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then the last time that Friendship played um, Odessa, I think. It Odessa was. High. Yeah, the last time they played them, they swept them. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I believe I was there at that match, and mm-hmm. that was kind of one of those where it really could have been a trap match, just because you know Odessa. Is coming along. Pardon me, Odessa Permian. Permian. Sorry, okay. sorry, I'm I'm running on small sleep. Uh, yeah. Texas Tech men's basketball tab slash women's basketball tab. For those that are looking for that, you can check that out on November the third Sunday. So, back to this. Uh, obviously, friendship taking on Odessa Permian, a team that they actually beat, as you mentioned, uh, did beat Odessa High in a sweep, but they also swept the Lady Panthers twenty five fourteen, twenty five fourteen, and eighteen back on October the fourth. But just uh, going back to like you said, you feel like you beat a team handily and maybe a little bit more confidence than you want, but obviously Randy True and company have kind of kept themselves even keeled throughout the year. Yeah, and you definitely have to do that. Like I mentioned in my column, uh, Coach True attributed a lot of that to those senior leaders yeah. in uh, Emma Davila and mm-hmm. Ali Mayfield. And that's what you know, you're there for as far as having that senior leadership. If you can't contribute in one area, make sure you contribute in the other. And I think sometimes maybe those intangibles are a little underrated just because, yeah, it's good to have talent, but if you can't, you know, hone in on that talent or know how to, you know, play poise, then it can end up costing you. Speaking of uh, teams that kind of turn things around, switching from high school volleyball to high school football, I mentioned a little bit Stephen Overstreet, the head coach at Tahoka. Seemed like things were kind of turning a little bit the other way when they got a couple of losses to Sundown and Littlefield, but then all of a sudden you kind of get Malik Hamilton going, Braden Stone starts to kind of find his way, and it looks like the Bulldogs are rolling after a big win over previously undefeated Rawls, a team that was mm-hmm. uh, in the state rankings as well last week. Right, right, and that that would be another one of those games where you almost set it up as the district championship game. Yeah. Whoever wins that one will more than likely get the championship, and uh Tahoka was able to do that. I mean, it wasn't a I mean, fourteen to six is not exactly you know a blowout. So you can tell that both it's sides a blowout were for battling. those teams the way they play. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and you can just tell that they were they were battling. I think yes. turnovers, ironically, turnovers. I think is what ended up kind of helping Tahoka mm-hmm. to get that win. I believe Rawls had two, yep. um, and Tahoka didn't have any. Which, mm-hmm. um, as I mentioned in my column, just kind of interesting that they were able to grow from that sundown loss where they had five. You know, and so uh, obviously that'll be big for them, getting that win over Rawls and just kind of, 
you know, moving forward. And that's not to say that Rawls will, you know, like tank for the rest of the season mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, they're still a good team, but it just goes to show, you know, just what football's made of. Like we always say, you can look at things on paper, but the games are played on the field. When you have two teams that are playing at a high level like Tahoka, especially with the way that their confidence was going, and not only that, but Rawls with the way that they were playing. Obviously, congrats to Rawls for a very strong season, first year for uh, Javier Rangel and company. Uh, certainly a, a big one for them. Obviously not not the way that they wanted to turn it, but the, the one thing that will kind of at least stick in my mind is the fact that Tahoka's defense has really kind of turned things on, giving up only 18 points uh, to district opponents, and I mm-hmm. think that's going to kind of – Probably stick there a little bit with the way that Lockney has been playing. Haven't been able to kind of score the touchdown, score touchdowns. Pardon me, the last couple of weeks, but we'll see how things go. Certainly, um, you and I have talked uh, ad nauseum about how great Malik Hamilton is, but now the fact that they've got a guy like Braden Stone that can throw twenty-three, fifty-yard touchdown, fifty-yard, fifty-plus-yard touchdown passes. Pardon me, is huge for their offense, and I think uh, that's going to be huge for them going down the stretch, along with some other teams like uh, Abernathy. We were just talking Mm -hmm. about this before we kind of got out there. Bryson Daly's starting to sling the ball a little bit. Yeah, it's been good to see. I believe, I guess last week would have been week nine. So Mm -hmm. week eight, he went, I think, 16 for 16. He was perfect. Over 200 yards. This Mm -hmm. week it was like 14 of 16. I think he only had, whatever it was, he only had like two incompletions. And then you add, you know, his ability to run. And, I mean, it just seems like he's coming on at a really good time. I don't know what happened or – you know, but I'm sure his dad is glad it did, you know, yep. getting that 100th win over this past uh, in week nine. And, you know, just everybody kind of playing together, the receivers, you know, playing their part and, you know, everybody just coming together. Defense, I believe that was a shutout, wasn't it, on mm-hmm. Friday? That it was. So, you know, Aaron Trevino, they're leading in tackles and, you know, just all those right pieces clicking. And it just seems like they're they're on track to kind of repeat what happened last season. Part of me, once again, again, the, the brain is kind of fried. 52-6 to six was the victory. It was close to a shutout. Uh, they, they did get, I guess, a cosmetic uh, touchdown later on, did Colorado City and Abernathy. But congrats to Coach Daly, known him for a couple years, good people out there. And uh, certainly Bryson Daly, a Division One prospect, uh, lo- likely uh, going to – oh, man. Army. Army, thank mm-hmm. you. A verbal commit to Army. Should be a good deal for him and obviously his family, but certainly there's still more to be said about the regular season, not only that, but the postseason for the Antelope, so we'll see how things go from there. But uh, just in terms of some of the other games that happened last week, I know Monterey kind of got back on the winning track. Coronado got back on the winning track the, the week prior to that, so certainly it was good to see them get off the snide. But I guess what, what really impressed you, I guess, in terms of just what Monterey was able to do, or I guess I, I know – Coach Hutchinson has been preaching this or kind of saying this throughout times that you've spoken to him and stories that we've written, but this is the type of Monterey team he wants to see. But what, right. what, what, what really changed? You know, I'm not really sure. He said it's been building kind of uh, through the past couple of weeks, just the energy and having those good practices and stuff. But I just think that maybe this is a team that plays better under pressure. You know, they are able to kind of rise up in those moments of um, – adversity if you will for lack of a better term and they know what's at stake you know they have quite a few seniors their quarterback Corian Bailey being one of them Tyree Tipton you know uh, Ty Williams another mm-hmm. one they just got a, a strong Devlin off it there on defense they've got um, a large senior class and they're not ready to go home you know mm-hmm. they're not wanting to to end their season they still think about what happened last season 
and they they just don't want to, you know. And I feel like some of those games, I think the key for them was just coming out and scoring right away because you look at the game against Emerald High where I believe they kind of let that get away from them Yeah, a little turnovers, on. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when you – and obviously it's easier said than done, but when you can get that, that fast start and get going – um, and maybe they play better under in the cold too, mm-hmm. you know. And so it, I, what I saw was a team that got going right away. I mean, I think it was one play straight down the field, mm-hmm. touchdown to um, MJ Singleton. Mm-hmm. Corinne Bailey threw that one, um, able to you know hold off Paladero and just kind of get get that win there. But yeah, I think the key for them would be coming out with that energy that they obviously need. Well, the other thing, too, is Tyree Tipton kind of getting going. I believe he had seven receptions for, like, 200-plus yards and mm-hmm, three touchdowns. So always good when you can get the uh, vertical passing game going, which is certainly something they have with Corian Bailey and his arm and his dual-threat right. ability. But if you're able to get to M- M- MJ, as you kind of mentioned, to start off, and then Tyree Tipton kind of obviously gets his single coverage, you're going to take that all day. And I'm sure Hutchinson and his offensive coordinator certainly did that. But the one interesting factor that does – kind of at least keep them mathematically in the hunt, so to speak, your top four teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs if you're looking at it right now. Abilene Cooper, 5-0. and Amarillo High, 4-0. Caprock is at 2-2. Two and two. Coronado's at 2-2. Two and two. Monterey is at 1-3. and three. So Monterey has Caprock at Caprock this weekend. So certainly a big game for Monterey if they want to continue to at least try and get that third or fourth playoff spot. Uh, Coronado certainly in that spot right now. Of course, if they continue to win, they will have a playoff spot there. Monterey has to obviously have uh, the the uh, control of the situation if they do get some wins right. going down the stretch. And also, I want to say I forgot to mention too another kind of thing that factors into that is they have D. Lacy back. Yes, he's been you know off and off, off and on injured throughout the season. You know, the hamstring. Yep, came and played the first game. Wasn't maybe so good. Sat out, tried to come back. You know, he's been out for five weeks, I guess it was. And he came back against Coronado, got going a little bit. Then this past week he had two touchdowns. Um, and so I think that that obviously opens up a lot of things on, on offense. Then on it also helps defense because you had guys that um, had to come onto the offensive end or play more on offense that normally play defense, and they had to kind of make up for that. So – uh, there's a lot to be said about injuries and when you have one player out and how it affects the team, especially like Monterey. And right now I kind of see, I feel like they definitely have what it takes to win out. I feel like Coronado definitely has what it takes to win out. So I think um, at least my district prediction will be you have Abilene Cooper at the mm-hmm. top, Amarillo High getting second, and then Coronado and Monterey is kind of how I see it playing out. It should be interesting to see how that district uh, kind of falls out. Speaking of another team that kind of put itself in a good position, Lubbock Cooper got a big victory. They're 3-0 and in their district. Looks like they may go for the district title in that one, along with Seminole, who's 1-0. and They're taking on San Angelo Lakeview. That should probably be a victory if I know the old Chiefs. Uh, they struggled so far. Even though they have got three wins, Seminole, uh, we'll see what they can do there, but one uh, game that you're going to be at this week that we'll kind of talk about from the previous week is uh, Friendship. They got mm-hmm. a big victory to keep themselves at 2-1 and one in district. That puts them in third place, and not only that, but it guarantees them a playoff spot, which is huge for Jay Northcutt and his yeah, sure. crew, as they've obviously, as we've talked about, have kind of gone through the struggles, gone through all the challenges, if you want to call them that, adversity, if you want to call it that. But either way, they kind of got all that BS out, mm-hmm. able to kind of win out, kind of prove to the naysayers that they can win there at Friendship. And they've obviously got a, a great uh, quarterback in Donovan Smith that's kind of done some work. William Bayouth, their running back, has kind of stepped in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And you got some other guys as well that have 
kind of turned in some good performances, but they're going to need all of them to be playing at a A1 level this week as they host Odessa Permian, who is one of two teams, including Midland Lee, who are undefeated in District 3-0. If they win that one, they could potentially at least have no worse than second place in district. And not only that, but just kind of get playoff seating because that's certainly something that you also want to look at when you do kind of get yourself in that uh, discussion as well. Right. Uh, I think the big one will be actually next week at Tescosa. And I think that's the one that will probably kind of maybe dictate some mm-hmm. of that seating. Um, you know, I think also their their defense is playing at a, a pretty good level right now. Um, just being able to to get some things done. The game that I was at a couple weeks ago was it against Midland High, you know, getting that shut out and then, mm-hmm. you know, beating Odessa High sixty five to twenty one. So um, I think there's a they have a good balance, I would say. And I think the thing that would describe the past two years is maybe just learn or growing pains, you know, and getting those kind of taking those. Uh, I always forget that. Taking their lumps. Yeah, exactly. Take That is the saying that I have, has been eluding me for like months now, but taking their lumps, yes. Took your lump with that one. Exactly. So, <laughs> so uh, I think right now they're, you know, they've got the momentum. I think they've had some big wins that definitely have helped to kind of establish the program that they want to have mm-hmm. in terms of just getting that success back that friendship has had maybe in, in prior years. Um, so, it will definitely be a big game. Obviously, I'm sure they know what's at stake right now. Um, like you said, they're playing for seeding, and nobody wants to be the fourth seed, mm-hmm. having to play the one seed in another district. And so um, that's, you know, they're they're just really excited right now and trying to keep on improving. Most of their confidence can come from the fact that they have beaten teams that they should beat Odessa High and Midland High, a combined 0-6 in district right now. Obviously, that one loss kind of looming on them, but certainly a statement win would be a victory over Permian, who is 3-0, and then, of course, just kind of getting that win over Mojo is always something that ever, that really kind of uh, reverberates statewide. Anything else you kind of wanted to mention uh, from last week or kind of going into this week? I know I kind of teetered into this week, but was there anything you kind of wanted to talk about from last week? On Trinity Christian, they debuted on their new field That's right. there on uh, on Quaker mm-hmm. and got the win over Flower Mound Coram Deo, which um, that was the, the team to beat coming in, and they were able to get that win and get some things going. Uh, obviously came into district with not so great of a record, mm-hmm. but are able to, I believe they're 2-0 and in district play right now. So just, you know, getting rolling and things like that, um, just using that non-district schedule to help them out. Um, so that was a, a good win for them, and so... Um, if they keep uh, at this pace, we could have a an in-town district championship next week because Lubbock Christian is also undefeated. Yep, coming are. into this week, they'll play Willow Park Trinity here in town. Um, it'll be their senior night, and so um, a lot of a lot of good things coming out of that taps. And I was told that actually Lubbock Christian is the number one ranked uh, private school, I think, according to. What is it? The Lone Star Christian Sports Network, I believe it is. There you go. With, the LSE. Left coach softly on that, but I believe mm-hmm. that's what he told me last week. I haven't been able to find it, mm-hmm. but that's a thing. It is a thing, and not only that, but if they did do something like that, it'd be a big deal for both of those teams. Is obviously uh, neither of them would have to travel for a big game for that. As right. most people know, Flower Mound, Willow Park, and Fort Worth all in Dallas. So obviously, those five to six hour trips are tough. So the fact that they've been able to get off to these two and zero starts has been pretty big for those two Lubbock schools. So lots of good things happening from last week. I know we got into the one big matchup, at least from the big school perspective. Small school wise, I mentioned it last week when I saw the two teams win post New Deal. 
Mm-hmm. That one's going to be the one that I'm going to be watching. Yeah, that's definitely one that is uh, should be on everybody's radar just because of not just their records, because you can you know make excuses mm-hmm. for records, but the level that they're playing at. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to. It's kind of like we've talked about over and over again with um, each of the coaches in that district, and then just us talking on the podcast. That's a really physical, hard nosed district. All of those teams thrive on run game. New Deal throws probably a little more than mm-hmm. anybody with the exception of Olton there with Jack mm-hmm. Alcorn. Um, I think Health Center throws a little bit, but mm-hmm. they're kind of getting some some guys adjusted in those new positions. But, I mean, you have these teams that run the ball so much they depend on their lines that can be physical, they're big, you know, they're they're not scared to, to kind of go after those guys. And so that's a game that I think will be good just because you have – one team that has some experience back, but maybe not as familiar of names from last season in New yep. Deal, just because of the, the quote-unquote big-name players have graduated. But you had guys that were coming up that were still getting that experience. And then you have on the other side, Post, who is a team that, you know, took their lumps mm-hmm. last year there you go. and uh, got that out. experience. And so now they're coming back with that experience, with that bad taste in their mouth from getting – you know, beaten by teams that maybe they felt like they shouldn't have or teams that, you know, those losses just stuck with them. And so that will definitely be one of those games that I think could be uh, just a a really, really fun one that will be one that we remember later on. Just like pancake batter, you don't like lumps, so you obviously need to whip those out. Certainly those two teams have been pretty good. Both are 8-0, 3-0 in districts, so the other – kind of added factor that we haven't mentioned is the fact that this could be for the district title as both teams are playing at such a high level. I would be shocked if either of them drop a game after this one because it's just such a a very, very difficult district, as we all know Mm -hmm. from last year, prior years, Post got moved into it. And uh, still the same thing happened. Post Post has been in difficult districts. They've won them. So they are very uh, used to this type of uh, situation. Right. New Deal, of course, got to the state uh, finals last year. It'll be interesting to see if they continue to just kind of show, hey, we're here to kind of do the same thing that happened last year. Mm-hmm. Or, heck, if you take, a lu- if you take your quote-unquote lump, you kind of learn from that and you kind of make your deep playoff run. You can do it that way, but either way, I can see both of these teams making deep playoff runs just because of the way that their teams are really built post, milking the clock, running the football. Their defense is probably second to none, other than maybe Lubbock Christian, I think, is probably one that we don't talk about in terms of defense. It's a very underrated one. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Deal, great offense, very speedy defense. They're obviously really good right now, but I'm I'm not sure how that'll kind of translate to the postseason. I think post- Defense is always translated once it gets to the postseason. Yeah, and then the other thing you mentioned is it's or another thing that should be mentioned is you have two. They're two ranked teams, you know. So you have two ranked teams in that district. You know, New Deal being sixth and Post being ninth, and then you come in with this. You know, it's supposed to be a big game when you have that much on the line. Uh, so I, I definitely think that it would be one worth watching and checking out and. You know, a lot of that will um, – well, I just feel like you probably see both of those teams make good playoff runs and with the way that the the bracket is set up, maybe seeing each other again at some point. 
Um, but it's it's uh, it's an interesting storyline to follow. If there's one thing I know, when you get two small schools that are playing at this high level, these two top ten ranked teams are going to see a good game. So I'm pretty sure the stands at New Deal are going to be really, really packed. Uh, anything else you kind of wanted to mention going into this week? We are at the 23-minute mark and trying not to make this too long of a podcast this time. Yeah, for sure. Um, Shallow Water Littlefield will be another a good one yep. to, to kind of check out. Shallow Water is down a player. Um and, you know, we'll see how that kind of plays out. They're still kind of figuring out some pieces after mm-hmm. losing a lot of experience. Uh, leveling at Perryton will be one that kind of maybe shapes some things in the district, uh, yeah. even though Estacado is pretty much in the driver's seat, like we've mentioned before. Literally because they're on by. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will have a good bearing on just what kind of game Estacado will go to at leveling next yeah. week. We came into the season thinking that would be the district championship. We'll have to see leveling is one and one, I think you said, in district play. Mm-hmm. So um, if they get that loss against Perryton, that can kind of maybe put a damper on that that game next week when Estacado goes leveling, or if they get the win, that could, you know, still have that same kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, hype value. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, this will be a very telling week for leveling and where they can take that with their, their new coach and Andy Carell. Lots of things to go on. High school volleyball, which is going on right now. You can check that out in Wednesday's edition of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, or you can go to LoneStarVarsity.com or Twitter at LoneStarVarsity to get all those results that are retweeted by our Twitter aficionados, as well as going to Facebook.com slash LoneStarVarsity for all that information as well. And then, of course, don't forget to check out our stat pack on Thursday, and then, of course, our previews and advances for Friday, and then, of course, all our coverage for Saturday of all the high school football and volleyball action in the Lubbock Avalanche Journal print edition. We appreciate you listening. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal for Alexis Cubit. We'll talk to you next week. Hello, everyone. I'm Carlos Silva with the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you the second portion of our Lone Star Varsity podcast, where we talk to a winning coach from last weekend. And this week, we've got Tahoka head coach Stephen Overstreet. How are you doing, coach? I'm good, Carlos. How are you? Hey, fine. And you, man? Well, obviously, you have to be in a good mood. Obviously, uh, you guys have now a three-game winning streak following a huge win, 14-6 to over previously undefeated Rawls. I guess uh, kind of going into that, what, what were you guys kind of expecting from that contest, especially a, a Rawls team that's been really good at least the last couple years with its run game? Well, we, you know, we were expecting a – really, it's kind of cliche to say, but we were expecting a dogfight. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look up and you watch their film, and and you see, uh, you know, not only is there the, you know, the very known Jerry Flores and what he's able to do in the backfield, but you also see two other prongs back there that really gave them a three-headed attack in their running game. Uh, you see some linemen that not necessarily typical lineman size, but guys that uh, really get off the football and lock on and drive. And you know, we we really knew that we were going to get into pretty much exactly what we had seen the year before, just another tough ball game. And you know, with that being said, it was a ball game that we had circled on our calendar. Uh, that was the only blemish that we took in our district uh, their season last year. Mm-hmm. So this was definitely a game that our kids have been ready for since uh, since last year. I know you talk about a dogfight. Uh, did, did you kind of figure that when you only scored 14 points after averaging about 55 the last couple? <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know, when you when you go on the road and you're playing a yeah. team like that, you know, you definitely start, uh, you know, you start kind of setting up your your drives and you know you're you're trying to manage clocks and you're trying to do things like that. So uh, 
you know, definitely, yeah. I mean, I felt like we let a couple of points actually, mm-hmm. you know, kind of get away from us. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, when you look up and it's 14 to nothing at the half and you got to hold on and, you know, play defense in the second half and your offense isn't able to punch one in, uh, you know, you definitely start looking at that. But, uh, you know, as long as, like I told our kids, I said, I don't care what the score is. We're just trying to be 1-0 and at the end of the night. So if we got one point more than they've got, we did what we needed to do. Well, certainly you guys got a little bit more than one point, 14-6 in that victory. And a lot of guys that had some pretty good games. I know Malik Hamilton's the one that we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, at least from my perspective, just kind of looking at your offense and kind of some of the stats and just over the week by week, it seems like Braden Stone's really kind of stepped up in terms of his vertical passing game. What, what has he been able to do to kind of give you guys a different uh, different look on offense compared to just kind of handing the ball off to Malik? Well, you know, the biggest thing, we've talked about it now going on two years is you know, people load the box to uh, to stop Malik yeah. from the success and the things that he's been able to do. You know, even with some loaded boxes, he's been very fortunate to have a line in front of him that's blocked extremely well and done some really good things with those loaded boxes. But, you know, Braden's ability to complete the passes that he's thrown this year, um, you know, have to loosen guys up. And, and you can't cram eight, nine guys in the box. You've got to spread it out and you know, you've got to defend the entire field and his ability to complete those passes has done that, which then in return, as we all know, you know, is going to open up some running lanes for Malik. So, you know, being more of a two-headed monster on the offensive side of the ball instead of being so one-dimensional has definitely helped us. And Braden's a kid with his ability to complete the passes has done that. But more importantly, he's definitely been a, a game manager for us. He's a guy that's kind of the field general you know he doesn't do a lot of flashy things but he does the things that he needs to do to give our chances or our kids a chance to win a ball game so i know you talk about making completions he's uh, completed a couple to john stone how, how important has he been just in terms of just being that guy that can make those plays because i know obviously you can kind of maybe throw a little hitch route or something out to malik and he can make some plays but having other guys obviously kind of has to help and kind of maybe kind of spread out the defense so to speak yeah, you know, John's a guy that we use also in the run game. Yeah, uh, You know, he's mm-hmm. a guy that we like to move around in motion and use him on the jet sweep. But, yeah, his ability, I mean, you know, he's a he was a guy that qualified for the regional track meet last year in mm-hmm. five events and has a little bit of speed and quickness and can get up and down the field a little bit. So, yeah, his ability to go and stretch the field really helps out. You know, John and Braden are cousins, and, you know, they, they do have a little chemistry together. But, you know, we also have – you know, two guys, really three, and, and Nate Castillo, Tristan Stice, yep. Andrew Saldana that have also stepped up. Another one that's been huge for us is a junior in uh, John Renteria. He's done a really good job. But, yeah, John is, is kind of a guy that, you know, people are aware of, but they're more so aware of him and his ability to run the jet sweep. So when, you know, John catches a catches a pass vertically down the field, it definitely helps us out. But it's not that he's, he's kind of flown under the radar by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, he's uh, – He's definitely been a big cog in that passing game and definitely somebody that Braden relies on quite a bit. Now, I know kind of talking to you the last couple of years, uh, we're talking with head coach Stephen Overstreet of the Tahoka Bulldogs in the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity podcast brought to you by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Talking to you the last couple of years, Coach, uh, I know you, you obviously would be happy with a very dominant run game, kind of milking the clock with uh, a, a very stout defense that obviously has kind of won you games. But I guess for you, just adding that – passing game has it just been that Braden kind of stepped up and kind of allowed you all to kind of make some of these plays just vertically down the field and then uh, just obviously having those playmakers is that something that's kind of evolved a little bit with your offense and has it kind of been nice not to kind of like uh, you had mentioned where everyone's kind of focused on Malik you can kind of go some other ways and it kind of helps you balance out a little bit yeah definitely I mean 
you know, it's just kind of something that, you know, this is year three in the offense that, that we put in and, you know, just the familiarity with it, the continuity amongst the guys running it. I mean, you're talking guys that were sophomores whenever they started running it. And I mean, and, and really it's the exact same group of guys because they all have started since they were sophomores. So you're talking year three as starters in this offense, you know, learning the intricacies of it, but then also being able to make plays off of it, you know, in the passing game, our passing game's not complicated. Uh, you know, we're not a we're not a spread system that, you know, runs a lot of, you know, RPO type stuff and things like that. We just we, we run routes that build off of what we do and, you know, are set up by our play action game and, you know, it's just an understanding of that. It's an understanding of maturity level from our kids and being able to read coverages and things like that. And same thing on Braden's end, just, you know, his his confidence and his growth and his maturity is, has helped him tremendously. But you're right, it's, you know, a growth and a maturity amongst a group of guys that have been together for three years. And, you know, they're now seniors and they're 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 hoping to accomplish a goal later on down the road. You know, that, that goal is to, you know, hopefully become a district champion and hopefully to get into the playoffs and, and make some noise once we get there. So getting to the guy named Malik Hamilton, who we all kind of knew how good he was going to be going into this year. I'm not necessarily going to focus on his offense because everyone kind of knows how good he is just running the football kind of breaking those big plays. But the thing that's really stood out to me is the way that he's really stood out on defense, being at that Class 2A level. you got a lot of kids that will play both ways. But him leading you all in tackles uh, going into that contest, what has he kind of meant to you all just as a kind of defensive, uh, I guess, linchpin or just kind of leader? Malik's a football player. And that's the thing that that I think is, you know, the most – you know, undervalued part of him is you're right. He's phenomenal on the offensive side of the ball. He's been able to do some great things, but you know, he's, he's got a nose for the football. He's playing defense. Like I, like I've never seen the kid play before. You know, when you, you look up and you're starting tailbacks, a linebacker, he's coming downhill and, you know, he's sticking his nose in there and he's scooping fumbles and, you know, getting sacks and, you know, then turning around and dropping in coverage. That just proves that the kid's an athlete. You know, I, I feel like, You know, I know that we haven't had a lot of success around here uh, recently, but a kid that I feel like has an opportunity and and quite honestly deserves an opportunity uh, to extend his football career beyond Tahoka High School. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely a kid that I think could be an asset to somebody uh, just by his athleticism. You know, he's also taken a couple kickoffs back uh, for big big yardage. He took a kickoff back for a touchdown the other night. So, you know, he's just a he's just a kid that's an athlete and has has a nose for the ball. But more importantly. Uh, it's something that he's passionate about and he realizes and we've talked about it all the time you know we had a really good offense last year he was able to do some really good things but you know the thing that held us up was our inability to play defense and get stops Mm -hmm. when we needed to so he really shifted his focus and tries to put as much effort into that side of the ball as what he does is when we hand him the ball and and ask him to to chunk up yards for us Speaking of guys that have kind of stepped up, uh, I know it's probably a kid that hasn't been mentioned that much, at least throughout the year, but Sol Moore, I guess, what, what has he meant to you all, just being that other kid that can kind of get you some double-digit tackles if needed in a game? Uh, Sol right now is the heart and soul of the defense, honestly. Uh, you know, the, the good thing for us is is we look up and we're a senior-laden team mm-hmm. surrounded with, you know, every position seniors, but Sol's playing the Mike linebacker spot as a junior and his ability to, you know, read the read read offenses, get us in our defense, and play sideline to sideline has been huge. You know, he uh, he was a strong safety for us last year as a sophomore. He's he's kind of another kid that, you know, as we talked about before, Carlos at the two A level played yep. a lot of 
a lot of spots in both sides of the ball and has to be up there since he was a freshman. But, you know, he's grown into his body. He's gotten faster. And we put him down at that Mike linebacker spot this year, feeling like he could kind of fit the mold of what we wanted out of that position. And, man, he is uh, – he has done everything that we've asked him plus um and definitely an exciting uh you know thing for us is that we will get him back and he'll definitely be somebody when we've got the holes uh to fill around him that we can definitely have a, a solid piece there in the middle to build around for our defense in the in the next year. I know you alluded to it and obviously the the record maybe maybe doesn't show it from last year but I guess what what do you feel has kind of been different from this year to last year in terms of the defense I know you guys were 6 and 5 last year but you went 4 and 1 in district that one loss like you'd mentioned to Rawls but I guess what do you feel's been different that's allowed you all just to kind of really shut down your first two and now three opponents Well just the fact that we've you know I I've hammered it in their head that you know hey everybody is extremely excited and you've gotten a lot of you know publicity yeah. and notoriety for what we've done on the offensive side of the ball but you know now it's time to to be known and, and get some publicity for being a quality defense if we can maintain what we've done on the offensive side of the ball and get a defense to go with it you know then I feel like great things are to come and if you look up you know we played a, a schedule early on that was tough and yep. the defense stepped up and got us some wins and you know that that's the thing if you know we've now that we've got our offense rolling we're confident in what we're doing if we can get a defense that is of equal caliber to what we've done offensively then there should be good things in our future and we're we're very blessed right now to to have a six and two record a three and oh record in district and we feel like we're on the right path to uh achieving that goal well certainly y'all have uh improved on the defensive end last year you gave up 25 points a game you Notched it down to 17, so eight points is a pretty big, uh, pretty big number there, Coach. But I'm going to kind of finish off this uh, interview with a couple questions here. The first one being, what did you learn from that two-game losing streak uh, against Littlefield and Sundown, kind of leading into that open week? And what did you all kind of take away from that that allowed you to kind of go on this on this winning streak of three games? Well, I tell you what, we, uh, you know, when I built the schedule two years ago, I built it with those first five ball games to be games that would test us. Yeah, <laughs> I built it for games that would, you know, let us know exactly what we're made of. Uh, you know, I knew that our district was, you know, really, and especially this year, was, uh, you know, even wide open, even knowing the what Rawls had coming back, but they had a new coach, and you know, there's three new coaches to our district, mm-hmm. so I felt like it was going to be, you know, something that our non-district schedule. Uh, needed to be tough and challenges. Plus, I knew what we had as far as our kids go uh, coming back, and I wanted them to be tested, and I wanted them to be put into some ball games and some situations that they had to grow from. You know, but honestly, the biggest reason that I did what I did was for, for the playoffs. Yeah. You know, you look up, and our by district is Groover and Clarendon and mm-hmm. Stratford and Vega, and you know, teams that are top ten teams in the state, and that's what we did it. But what we learned after those those first two losses you know right there back to back was that we can't get complacent in what we do we played a really good little field team and had a chance to win we played a really solid sundown team on the road and and, and committed too many mistakes mm-hmm. but you know i tell them all the time this this game will humble you this game will show you what you need to do and those losses did that and we went into the open week and we refocused we kind of you know honed back in on what we were doing we talked about our goals that we set when we came in in august and we just hit the reset button and, and went back to work. Um, you know, our mindset is is one and zero at the end of every week, regardless of who we're playing. And show back up Saturday morning, watch the film, lift the weights, and show back up on Monday and do it all over again. So, 
our, our kids did a phenomenal job of that, and I don't think that would have been possible if it wouldn't have been for the leadership that we have from the uh, 13 seniors that we have on our team. Once again, that's Tahoka head coach Stephen Overstreet. Uh, you guys get to do it all over again this Friday, coach, as you take on Lockney, you host them on Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you all are busy. Uh, I guess for you, coach, uh, what, what, what's kind of the, the, the biggest focus, I guess, kind of going into this one before I let you go? Uh, the biggest focus for us is to finish what we started. Uh, great win against a great opponent uh, last week, no doubt about it, but it's a new week. Uh, we still have the Lockney Longhorns and the Smire Bobcats ahead. We just need to uh, keep our head on straight. We need to finish and uh, see where see where the journey takes us. Once again, appreciate the time, Coach. That's uh, Stephen Overstreet of Tahoka. They are now 6-2, and 3-0 and overall in district and they take on Lockney, who's 0-8 at 7 p.m. Friday. That'll be in Tahoka. Should be a good one, Coach. Thanks for the time, and we'll talk to you uh, down the road, man. Thanks, Carlos. Appreciate it. Awesome. You've been listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva for Coach Stephen Overstreet at Tahoka. We'll talk to you next week. 